Hello and welcome to Rule of Law Talk, a podcast of the World Justice Project. I'm Matt Harmon, WJP's Chief Communications Officer, and today we're talking with the winners of the 2020 WJP Anthony Lewis Prize for Exceptional Rule of Law Journalism. As protests against discrimination and injustice continue this week across the United States and around the world, the critical importance of a free press to upholding the rule of law is more evident than ever. The winners of this year's prize, Pavla Holkova, Arpad Soltes, and Eva Kubanyav, personify the principle quoted by their outlet, even if you kill a journalist, you can never kill a story. The trio were awarded the prize for their reporting on the murder of their friend and colleague, the 27-year-old journalist Jan Kusiak, and his fiancée, Martina Kusnerova. The investigation, as detailed by the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project, revealed a system of rampant corruption in Slovakia, the details of which were being investigated by their colleague at the time of his death. In the process of investigating the murder, the team assembled nearly 60 terabytes of data, including eyewitness testimony, CCTV footage, mobile phone data, and more ultimately building a library of evidence that they shared with other trusted journalists. As a result of the investigations and mounting public pressure, the former government of Robert Fico stepped down in 2018. A former general public prosecutor is currently being investigated, and 13 judges are charged with corruption and abuse of power. And now, please join me for a fascinating, and I think inspirational, conversation with these three brave reporters. So Pablo and Arpad and Eva, welcome to our podcast. Um, more importantly, congratulations on winning our journalism prize. I can tell you as someone who helps catalog um, the submissions that we were honored really this year to, to receive so many um, great submissions from around the world. And uh, on behalf of the World Justice Project, um, thanks for all the years that you've put into this investigation. Yeah, <laughs> we are lucky with the data, you know, not, yeah. not, not always you get such a uh, big set of data to work with. Yeah, right. Um, okay, so I want to talk about this story, which is so interesting. Um, but let me start, start with you, Pavla. Um, you're the founder and the director of the Czech Center for Investigative Journalism and uh, I think the Central European editor for the OCCRP. Um, that's the Organized Crime and Corruption Project. How did you get interested in investigative journalism? Oh, uh, it's an old story. It was in jail in Cuba uh, before I started to be investigative reporter. I was working with dissidents in Cuba, with the independent journalists who were trying to, to get the information out of Cuba, even though it was almost impossible because of the lack of the internet. And we were bringing them equipment and we were giving them trainings. And to one set of trainings, I went there with Paul Radu. And we've been training the dissidents and one night, um, we ended up drunk with someone, with a guy who was smuggling arms to Cuba. And at five in the morning, there was a knock on our doors and a police came 
and they took uh, our passports and they put us under some kind of a kind of soft arrest but we knew that we can't talk about what we are really doing in Cuba so we started to talk about Paul's job and by the time he was one of the really really great investigative reporters on a global scale and when he we, he was explaining that he's doing this kind of a project journalism i decided that that's what i want to do once i will leave uh the cuban project that's how i got into it and you founded this um this center for investigative journalism eventually um and what yes. what do you all do there um we are part of occrp network so actually our aim is to bring those international topics and international media projects to the to, to Czech Republic and to provide information from Czech Republic to our colleagues, investigative reporters abroad. Okay, so um, the investigation that you've won this award for began as a, a search for answers after your colleague and close friend Jan Kusiak and his fiance were murdered. Um, in 2018. Can you tell me about Jan? Uh, probably Eva would be a better person to, to, to talk about him. We all knew Jan, we all worked with him, but uh, Eva was the closest person to him. Uh, Jan and me met at the university studies. We both uh, studied journalism and we were very close friends. Uh, and I didn't work on this investigation with him so uh, he was more my friend than colleague because we never worked together in one newsroom uh, but so i i know him personally and he was such a great person anything what you read about him how he was humble and uh, systematic and very objective even to his um, opponents that's true Mm. Um, so his murder must have been pretty shocking. Um, what was, what was he investigating at the time of, of, of his passing? Uh, he was working with me on a story that concerned, uh, the, the, the links between then prime minister of Slovakia, Robert Fico, to Italian mafia, Ndrangheta. And you know, it was a long and frustrating investigation that took over 18 months because we were still missing some pieces of the mosaic to, to, to be really able to say that the prime minister has, is very close to, to Italian mafia. Uh, and we were actually getting some kind of a picture what was going on. But before we were able to finish this case of, of Robert Fizzo and his links to Italian Mafia, uh, Jano was shot. Was he being threatened um, before this happened? He was threatened, but not by Italian Mafia. He was not killed by Italian Mafia, but by a guy who, but by a group of people, uh, two of them already confessed. All of them are actually Slovaks. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I understand that after his murder, there were almost immediate uh, public protests that went on and, and almost a surprising number of people. Um, what was it about this murder that really shocked people? Probably Arpad can tell you more. I was living under police protection by then, so I was not taking part in the in the protests. Mm. I think uh, the main cause of, of this huge uh, public outrage was that Jan was murdered with his fiancée, with, uh, uh, with Martina, and uh, everybody saw two very young people, a young couple, they were both 27 years old, and that, that was really shocking for the society. So everybody saw his uh, brother, sister, son, daughter, uh, grandson in, in them, and uh, that generated really a huge uh, public outrage. So journalists are not more popular in Slovakia than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, if somebody killed a 50 years old uh, Slovak journalist, I don't think it, it would uh, generate the same outrage. Mm. Paula, why were you under police protection? Oh, it was because one of the leads the, at, at the beginning of the police investigation was that uh, the Italian mafia was the one who, who ordered the killing of Jano and Martina. And because I was also working on the story, uh, I got police protection. Okay. Got and it. only later, actually, the, the, another lead showed up as the most probable you know cause of of the matter right um before we dive into that i just want to pull back a little bit and think about um you know S slovakia has gone through so many changes since the 1980s going from a communist regime to to democracy um has the had the has the media changed along with it and, and what kind of role was a investigative journalism playing in the political life of the country at, at this time uh, i am a journalist so i would say a very important role and it mm -hmm. started uh, in uh, 1994 as uh, uh, vladimir mechia was the slovak prime minister and uh, it, it was a time, uh, so he, he declared officially he, he wants Slovakia to be a member of uh, NATO and uh, European Union, but he did everything to stay in the Russian influence sphere. And the journalists were the, one of the leading uh, progressive forces, uh, and they, they fight against my chair. I started to be a journalist in uh, 94 mm -hmm. and uh, we, we tried to do investigative journalism, but there was uh, nobody to learn from. Uh, nobody, uh, uh, of course, in the old, in the communist regime, uh, it was impossible to do any investigative journalism. Uh, there was no media in, in, in the real sense of the word. It, it, it was mostly just propaganda. So we, we learned it somehow in the process. It, it, it wasn't very good journalism. Uh, and 
it evolved in, 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 in the years. So uh, Jan Kuciak was uh, the new generation. They did their work uh, after the same standards as, as journalists in, in the developed Western EU, uh, uh, Europe or, or, or in the US. And uh, th there was a kind of a middle generation between me and Jan. And uh, Jan's boss, Marek Vagovic, was a very known journalist from this generation. So they, they did uh, better quality than we in the early 90s. And, uh, but uh, Jan was really a new generation. He, he worked with data, with analysis. Uh, uh, we, in the early 90s, we, we were really uh, kind of uh, cowboys. Uh, and uh, it, it, it was not a high quality journalism at the start, but uh, it helped uh, to get rid of Mechiar and his government. So journalism was very, very important when in, in, the, in the early 90s. And uh, I think to, today Slovakia has a very healthy media landscape uh, in comparison to Poland or Hungary. And it's exactly uh, while we learned how to how to resist uh, uh, totalitarian, totalitarian government or, or or somebody who, who tries to to suppress democracy in the early nineties. So we we get kind of a vaccination during the uh, mature government. Not not only journalists but the whole society. Right, right. Um, okay, so, um, so when Jan was murdered in 2018, um, you began investigating, of course, what happened, being investigative reporters. Um, were you suspicious of who this might have been right away? Uh, did you have leads? Um, and how did the initial reporting go for you? Well, um, go ahead, Arpad. Uh, I think the first logical suspect was the Italian mafia, the Ndrangheta. Uh, while uh, Jan worked on this story with Paula together, right at this time, it, he, he was murdered uh, in the days he wrote the story. He was at home to, to write the story, and that was the time as, as the murder itself happened. Uh, but it took not very long and uh, uh, the Ndrangheta was, uh, so, so we saw it, 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 it has some logic, but um, uh, uh, we realized that uh, probably uh, Marian Kochner, the, uh, the man who is uh, uh, charged with uh, Jan's murder and uh, and who, who who stands trial today for his murder, uh, that he's uh, at least uh, a same uh, the same logical suspect in the case. So so um, tell us more about Marian Kochner. Who is he? He is a shady Slovak businessman who who is very well known. Uh, from the early 90s, he was somehow in, in the background of, of many big uh, cases and scandals in Slovakia. 
uh, including the kidnapping of the president's son during the, the Mečiar government. So it, it, it was one of the real big scandals in Slovakia. Uh, Mečiar's government uh, kidnapped the, the son of the president of the state uh, and uh, they, they took him to, to Austria uh, or over the border. And uh, Marian Koshner was uh, somewhere involved in this case too, uh, and, and in uh, various other high-profile uh, cases and scams. You can, you can, yeah, you can actually say that Marian Koshner was involved in all major cases that happened in Slovakia in the last 20 years. He's also admitting it in one of his conversations with his friend or confident uh, and now co conspirator uh, in the murder case. Yeah, I, you're reporting, you document um, so many past scandals that he was involved in or investigated for before even this murder investigation. Uh, how was he able to stay above the law for so long? Uh, he boasted himself that he took down three Slovak governments, actually. Uh, Mečiar's government, Radišova's government, and now Fico's government. <clears throat> he had... Uh, uh, I, I, I will dare to call him a professional uh, blackmailer. Uh, he had some compromise on everybody who, who was important in the country. Uh, he had the general prosecutor in his pocket, and Slovakia has still the old Soviet-style uh, prosecution system in the country. So it, it's called a monocratic system where uh, the general prosecutor can decide every case in the country. So he can order every prosecutor or any prosecutor in Slovakia how to decide the case. So if you, if the general prosecutor is your best friend, or or you really have him in, in your pocket, then uh, then you are untouchable in the country. Yeah, but it was not not only the general prosecutor; it was also good relationship with the police force and very good links and a lot of compromise on politicians. Probably Eva can tell you more about the compromise because she's, uh, you know, actively following the court case where actually this is all being exposed. Even today, you know, that there was a, most of the day that there was a court hearing about the murder case. Yeah, well, I was I I read all the messages on some secure application called Trima, and Marian Kuchner used this application to contact um, one of his very close friend Alena Zhuzhova. She is also charged with uh, ordering the murder of Jan Kuciak and Martina Kushnirova, and. Um, Kochner also used this Prima application for many other people, but we can now, thanks to this investigation, we, we as journalists 
have opportunity to read all the conversation uh, in last two years. And there are not just Zhuzhova, but also there are many uh, very prominent judges in Slovakia. Uh, and all this confirm uh, conversation just exposed how uh, how deep uh, connection here Kochner had and how all the organized crime was um, was connected to him. Uh, so you mentioned that he had compromise or compromising information on on so many politicians. How what was his method for gathering that? He he was using this woman Jujova uh, as a honey trap. He was paying her for starting conversations with influential people, not only politicians, but also prosecutor or uh, really known lawyers and judges. Uh, yeah, and judges. And uh, uh, they had some kind of a, you know, price list that if she will seduce uh, someone of a top priority or top importance, she will get that and that amount of money. Then they have the, the second class VIP person. She got a little bit less money. And then the third class. And Alena Zhuzhova herself, she was starting the conversations in a kind of a flirty way. And she was sending photoshopped uh, photos of uh, models, photo models from Ukraine, where she actually photoshopped her face to their bodies. And surprisingly, really big number of the people, of, of the men, uh, replied and started this kind of a conversation. I want to add that he was really trading favors uh, for 25 years. Kochner. Kochner was Kochner. trading favors. Uh, that, that was his main business, uh, and and he was uh, uh, and he was uh, buying compromise on everybody who who was important. So that, that was his main business, and and after that he was using his influence. Uh, so he he, uh, he he was really a one of a kind, I would say. So he, he was not quite the the violent type of mafia guy. But he worked all the time uh, in, in this shady uh, gray zone of business. Uh, I, I don't think he ever made a really legitimate uh, business in his life. Well, I, I read that he started as a reporter, actually. Yes. Yes. So how did someone go from being a reporter for state television to... Um, being one of the most powerful people in, in society? Uh, it started in the early 90s. Uh, it, it was a very difficult time in Slovakia. This, this change from, from the old regime to, to some kind of fake democracy. Uh, and uh, we had a very strong mob in the early 90s. It was it was not quite a mafia, while it was not very well organized. Uh, it got strong while these mafia bosses they worked a lot for for the state. They they did a lot of dirty jobs, 
for, for the secret service and for politicians. And Kochner was involved with these people, but uh, he is really quite intelligent, so he is really not dumb. Uh, and uh, he, he collected uh, information during the process, and he, he never threw anything away. And uh, it was a slow process, so from from a small time. Uh, uh, Paula, maybe you can help me. Uh, what he uh, oh, from a small time petty criminal, he grew up to be someone who's trading favors and information with the most influential people. So the, the three of you are looking into the, the murder of your colleague. You're, you have suspicions. Um, and at some point you come into possession of a huge amount of data and of evidence. Um, from the police. Uh, what can you tell me about how that happened and, and what that did for your investigation? It helped. <laughs> um, uh, we have a source. The source got the data uh, legally from the police. Uh, the source prefers not to be named, so we respect it. He gave the data to OCCRP to have the data abroad uh, somewhere safely stored uh, outside uh, any influence of the Slovak Slovak politicians on or police force or uh, so he, he, he don't trust very much uh, the system here and OCCRP is providing the data to Slovak journalists who are analyzing the data uh, in a very secure and safe uh, way. Uh, it, it, it's quite technically complicated, and, and I think legally too, but we managed. And uh, the data contains uh, the disk images of, of uh, any device or media that the police seized during the Kuciak murder investigation. So it, it was initially some uh, uh, 10 hard drives uh, with uh, and, uh, 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 eight hard drives with 10 terabytes. Yes. Each. So it was 80 terabytes. Uh, after we counted the empty space on, on the disk images, it was 57 terabytes. And that's the amount of unstructured data that uh, we are uh, processing and analyzing and uh, we are trying to get information out of the data and uh, and it goes quite well so we, we, we can say that the former general prosecutor was stripped of his office after our investigation uh, one judge of the constitutional court uh, resigned uh, from his office after after we published an article about his connections to Kochner and and there some are the more similar cases. To, yeah, the, some of the judges started to work with the police after they were exposed. So it's quite explosive set of a data. And um, Pablo, the OCCRP is, is holding this data as I understand it and sharing it with other journalists, is that correct? 
That's correct, uh, because the, the, there was a big discussion about it, because it's a huge amount of data, just, you know, something to compare. Panama Papers altogether was four terabytes. We have actually more than 10, ten times more of the data. So we understood we won't be able as an OCCRP to, to analyze it, to get the context, to understand what we are actually seeing. So we created a team of a journalist in Slovakia we trust, from the media we trust, and we invited them to take part in analyzing the data. The, the condition was that they need to cooperate. They need to share their findings among themselves and they need to coordinate the publishing plans. And surprisingly, and to, to our great happiness, it's working well. Uh, yeah, so you, you published um, a story earlier this year that, that used some of this evidence and data. Um, what did you write about in this story? Okay, we, we, you know, we have so much information now on the main suspect in the murder, who is Marianne Kochner, that uh, were published in, in, in many local articles, but we are trying to actually bring together kind of a, you know, world according to Marianne Kochner, how he was living his life, how he was seeing the, the rest of the world that should listen to, to him and bow to him and how he felt that he's untouchable. And we are trying to, to you know, draw kind of a portrait of this guy and how he managed to, to actually run Slovakia from the shadows for the last 20 years. Yeah, um, so what happened when you published that? What happened when we published? Yeah, uh, we've got quite impact, but uh, mostly in uh, out of Slovakia, because as uh, some of the stories were al already published in Slovak media, but separately, uh, the the story was not totally new. Mm -hmm. Most of the people by the time already understood that, uh, you know, this is the guy and uh, what is he doing and how he's using his influence over the judges, prosecutors and police to, to gain uh, profits. But what was important was to also attract the international attention to this case because uh, this can easily happen anywhere in the world that someone would, you know, uh, gain control or gain influence over important stakeholders of the democracy and then start to, to run the country himself, kind of a capture the state. Yeah, that's, it's remarkable uh, to see how much control this one person had and to see somebody like that being brought to justice. Now he's, he's on trial right now. Um, what's the current state of, of that trial? Eva is the right person too. <laughs> okay. I, I am covering uh, all the day on the court. Uh, I was there also in person, but because of coronavirus, 
it's not allowed anymore, but it will be soon as well. And um, current stage is that I would say we are going or the, the, the end of the, uh, the trial is, will be soon, uh, according to the evidence we have. And uh, now in last three times, I noticed that Kochner and Zhuzhova started to, um, to explain their behavior and they actually defend. Uh, this is very new for us as journalists and also the public because at the very beginning, Kochner and Zhuzhova were quiet. They didn't comment on anything. They were just sitting there with no comments. Now they are trying to comment almost everything. They are accusing the media. There are, uh, the media are not objective. The judge is not objective. Almost everybody is not objective and they like trying to, um, to highlight that uh, uh, media and public and the judges are trying to uh, prove they are guilty. So, so this is the stage. And at the, at the very, uh, very last uh, hearing, uh, they were read three messages between Zhuzhova and Kochner, uh, which was, in my opinion, one of the most um, most most interesting um, and powerful and powerful moments at the court. You, you've had um, recent uh, changeover in political power in the country, as I understand it, um, and the new party. I don't know a lot about, but I understand that they're anti-corruption. Do you think that the, this story is related to what's happening politically in the country? Well, the story was published Hello. before they gained the power, so... But I will let Arpad comment, you know, um, he, he has the strong opinion on this. <laughs> uh, they, I, I was uh, a long time a political commentator and not an investigative journalist anymore, and then Jan's murder dragged me back in that line of business. Uh, I was very skeptical before the election, how it will end, and the, the new government, uh, it declares it's uh, anti-corruption, but it's uh, mostly populist, uh, really uh, a right-wing fundamentalist Christian, uh, something like the alt-right in, in, in the US, and or, or even a bit, bit worse and uh, uh, the part of the uh, ruling uh, political coalition is the uh, so-called uh, we are family so the, the party's name is we are family it's something uh, mario puzo could have invented as a name for a party uh, the the founder and the chairman of the party is, is Boris Kolar. He's a man who has nine ch children with ten women. Uh, he was very well connected even to Marianne Kochner and to a lot of similar people like uh, Marianne Kochner. So uh, to say 
we will fight corruption together with Boris Kolar. It's it's uh, it's not good, even as a bad joke. Mm. So it, it, it's a farce, and I, I don't think uh, that in Slovakia uh, now we will have a. Uh, that it will be a poster child democracy in the in the middle european region uh, but what is changing is uh, is the judiciary uh, the prosecutor's office so uh, the, the murder and, and then the fallout after the murder it has consequences so if we have judges they probably build up in jail but they are in custody at the moment uh we have prosecutors uh, which will be prosecuted i hope and, and, and i'm almost sure uh we will have uh high profile politicians uh, they will be prosecuted in in, in the near future uh, and uh, i hope we will have uh, at least some kind of uh, reforms uh, in the judiciary uh, that, that's one of the main problems, and it has very deep roots. So it, it was not only Kochner who devastated the justice system in the country. And if we can improve, that's a key uh, key element of of, uh, of the democracy, the, a real independent and functioning judiciary, and, and we didn't have that. Uh, until yet, that's changing. I think the public uh, is gaining back a bit of uh, uh, confidence toward the instit institutions. Uh, uh, even journalism got back uh, a big chunk of uh, of trust from the public. Uh, okay. So. Uh, uh, a few things are changing, but uh, but to say that we have a completely anti-corruption government and it, it will be a Western type of democracy, it's really very, very over-optimistic. Um, do you anticipate there being any more um, reporting coming out of this treasure trove of evidence that you have? Yes. Okay. I mean, sure. 57 terabytes. <laughs> we 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 are we've done with let's say one terabyte. Mm -hmm. that, that's a lot. And uh, just for example, uh, the U.S. put Marian Kochner on the Magnitsky list. Uh, it, it was in December, I think, shortly yeah. before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, end of the year. I don't remember exactly, and uh, there, there's still a chance that maybe his uh, his family will follow. And we we found uh, a lot of evidence in the data that uh, he really used his daughter to hide uh, his assets uh, uh, on, on Malta and uh, in in various uh, offshore countries. So, so uh, th there's a lot of uh, data that's not directly connected to Jan's murder, and uh, I'm I'm sure we, we will publish a lot more from the data. And there are other journalists on uh, in investigating this this data as well. Is that right? Yes, yes. we are, we are 
providing the data in something that we we are unofficially calling the Kochner's library in Bratislava. And uh, we invited trusted media outlets. They they have uh, every outlet has the, the right to accredit two reporters for the library, and uh, they are working on the data. Uh, it where I so so the corona uh, wasn't very helpful in the process, uh, while uh, the data is not accessible. Uh, from outside of the, the library so you 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 really have to be physically in the in the space where where the data is accessible and but but we are still working on it we are using uh, some some uh, interesting tools uh, provided by OCCRP to to be able to to work at least on the part of the data uh, even uh, during the social distancing and it has a huge impact while uh, we selected the outlet so the, the, there are two main tv stations uh, uh, actuality is a news uh, portal and a news website uh, where Jan Kuciak worked uh, in, in the time he was murdered uh, there is SME it's, it's one of the leading uh, daily papers in Slovakia so uh, and we are uh, this the story is publishing together so it, it's always coordinated we we are setting up one story from the data and uh, and the specific date on, on we will publish so uh, every media together so, and we tried to count the numbers the last time and uh, it, it's not always the same but we are estimating we seldom have fewer than one million uh, uh, an audio an audience uh, less than one million people for for one publishing and we are a five million country hmm. so know, there's it, it's real, the, the impact is really huge yeah um the there's been a, it's been a hard time for investigative independent investigative journalism in recent years, um, both from a financial perspective, from a political perspective in some places. Uh, we've noticed that the World Justice Project um, increasing uh, threats against the media, media capture uh, in, some, in some spots. Uh, how, does, how, how does the future look for your um, projects, for the three of you? I am optimistic. I was born optimistic and uh, uh, so I believe people unfortunately only after the murder realized how important the investigative journalism is, that we are really fighting for them, not against them, and that we, we are really trying hard to, to, to give evidence and not opinions. And I believe that people really started to to see that uh, it's good to follow investigative journalists and investigative journalism, even though you are not super interested in the topic, because later you may need this kind of information when you make really difficult or, or important decisions in your life. 
Great. Um, Financing is, uh, of course, uh, very complicated in in, uh, in Middle and Eastern Europe, but uh, it, it's it's actually not about the money. Journalism is not about the money. You you need uh, people who are doing this uh, while while they are convinced they're doing doing the right thing. Uh, I'm doing it for free, uh, and if if I won't have money, then I won't have much reporters working for me uh, then it's only only a question of how big the capacity is uh, what you can do uh, but uh, it's uh, it, it, we will be still able to, to to maintain some kind of center but the most important thing thing uh, by our project is the international cooperation it's something the the domestic media outlets are not able to do and yeah. not willing to do it's it's expensive ineffective uh, they they don't have the personal capacity for that uh, they don't have the time the money the people and uh, even if you have one single one person in the country who's able to connect journalists uh, from abroad and at home uh, it's still better than nothing Ava, I, I guess I would ask you as somebody who was so close to Jan, um, what would he think of, of what's happened um, with his legacy? Mm. <laughs> That's a very tough question, but I think even if, if he would be alive and somebody else would be killed, I mean journalists, I think he would be at the court and saying, oh, we need to be just and we need to believe that Kochner has a right to to defend himself. I'm pretty sure he, he would say we need to wait by the end and we need to leave this decision on the judges. So because that was his personality. So, uh, but I'm very, very happy that uh, journalists are um, working together in Slovakia on this project because this is very unique. And uh, I hope uh, Jan Kuciak and Martina Kushnirova's story will run across the world because uh, people need to uh, start um, believe that uh, journalists must be protected and without journalists the democracy cannot work I, th I think that's a wonderful way to leave this interview um, I appreciate it so much uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with us and and thank you for for all of the work that you've put into this story Thank you. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you very much. <laughs>